why don't we even just now just stand? I just want us to, to uh, and take the hand of the person beside you, okay? Father, even as Pastor Tim and Devin uh, have been in B.C. Uh, for the family uh, celebration of, their, of Devin's grandma. We pray now that as they are traveling home, that your grace will be upon them, that Holy Spirit, you will just be with them and you will minister into them. As much as they have poured out as they were traveling, may they be filled back up as they are traveling home. Father, we thank you now that Holy Spirit, you are here. Uh, whether we are here in a physical building or we are uh, at home, wherever we are watching by live stream, may you now come with the spirit of grace and supplication. And may you have your way in our midst. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is so good to have you here this morning. Uh, as Tim said, uh, my name is Michael Pierce, and it is a joy for me to be able to share with you. How many have had just a fantastic week? Thank you in the back row. Any, I think there was one, and there was one hand over here. Oh, two hands. Okay. How many had a less than fantastic week? Oh, okay. Um, and how many would just say it was just an absolute terrible Gut-wrenching, weak. Okay, I see that hand. All right, I'm in the right place. Because, because you know, uh, here, here's the deal. When we come together on, on the Lord's Day to celebrate Him, it isn't about how good our personal week has been. But it is about how gracious and how faithful and how loving our Father has been to bring us to this place to come together. Amen? Now, some of you, uh, I might have said this before, but, but uh, some of you uh, won't realize how much I need you. Especially when I'm here and it's hard to see you because the lights are so bright on the platform. All right? So here's what I'm going to do. I, I realized as a United Church kid, uh, my, pat, my dad was a pastor, I realized that there's, there's two different kinds of uh, people in the world. There's verbal response and there's nonverbal response. In the United Church, um, in, maybe in the Baptist Church, we're, we're far more uh, akin to nonverbal response. And in Pentecostal charismatic services and circles, we're far more akin or, or friendly to verbal response. Thank you, Cody. I appreciate the, the cue on your part to be able to. And so if you are a nonverbal response person, you know, you, you just don't feel like shouting it out, um, would you just please, and, and if you're in agreement with me, would you just nod your head? Okay. See, I see that so well in the back. Uh, and if you are more of one of those charismatic Pentecostal types and you are agreeing with what I'm saying, would you please use your voice to declare your agreement? Okay, great. I'm going to share this morning. Uh, I, I have wrestled with the Lord for two weeks on, on this message and, and how it was to be shared with you. And, and I have about 18 pages of notes Thank you for that. And, uh, and I'm not sure if, if one of them or all of them will be used, but we're going to keep you uh, in and out on time. Thank God they've already changed the clock to uh, winter time, so it's only 20 to 10 according to the clock. So I won't get you out of here on, uh, late. I'm going to share this morning on the gospel of the kingdom. This series is Living the Gospel. And I want to suggest to you this morning that perhaps there is a difference between the gospel of our personal salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. That, that in our cultural way of coming to the Lord, there might be more in the gospel of the kingdom than we first recognized when we realized a desperate need to be saved to be filled with God's love, 
to be delivered out of a circumstance that seemed to be less than ideal. And that there was actually a journey in our salvation. You see, I believe that many of us came to Jesus to be saved or rescued. Uh, and we're looking for Jesus to get us out of a jam. The present situations that we find ourselves, whether we look at the media, whether we look at social media, whether we, we look at, at political leaders around us, can cause many different responses within. My question to us today goes beyond our praying a prayer accepting Jesus as our Lord and even as our Savior. But my question to us this morning is, is the gospel that Jesus lived out the gospel that we are living today? Is the gospel of the kingdom the same gospel that we are living today? When Jesus called his disciples to follow him. Was that gospel the gospel we are living today? And I just want to uh, unpack a few things with us so that we can actually begin perhaps a, a new phase of our journey. In prayer this morning, uh, Pastor Cody was talking about, you know, for the last three years we've been talking about we're in a new season and, and we're in a time of transitioning into these new things. How many actually become tired of just hearing that it's a new season? Okay, there, there's, oh, there's one hand. Um, two, because, because we, it's, it's like, when can we just settle in? When can we just sort of uh, become uh, uh, comfortable where we are? Is that what the gospel of the kingdom is actually like? Could it be that the salvation prayer we prayed set us on a path of walking a journey with Jesus? Maybe it set us on a trajectory toward heaven. But is the goal of our, of our saying yes to Jesus that we would be in heaven? Or is the goal of our saying yes to Jesus actually beginning to submit to him in the micro-tests of our life day by day. You see, many times we're looking for the fire insurance, we're looking for the escape from, from the jam that we're in. But in fact, Jesus is here to transform us, to take us from where, where we are and how we think today into a place where his love, his patience, his kindness comes and transforms us. You know, I was, I was grateful that the worship team uh, chose that Keith Green song from the 1970s where it was talking, how many knew that it was a Keith Green song, the last song we sang? Three of us. <clears throat> uh, uh, thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit with us until your work is done. Keith was suggesting that, in fact, we are on a journey and that where we began our salvation experience and where we will walk it out and live the gospel out will be a journey to the fullness of what he has. That's a perfect place to say amen for those of you that are verbal response people. And so I want to talk to us perhaps about something that for some, it, it might be a bit of a, a prickly point this morning. But I want to bring us to a face-to-face -face with the precept of the Father that we are on a journey. Some of you are, are facing some of the most difficult 
situations you have ever known. It won't matter if you're 27 or if you're 72. It won't matter if you're a, a, a man or a woman or if you're a young person. It won't matter if you have a PhD or if you are a, a high school dropout. You see, all of the things that we have set our lives upon to try and, and get ourselves ahead, those things won't be the things that will matter at the heart of the message I'm sharing with you this morning. Because wherever you are, the Father knows where you are. And he is allowing the shakings of this world and the life that you live in this world to personally touch you. Not so that you are, are crumbled into just a pile of dust on the ground, but actually so that you will become this son and daughter who know his glory, whether in, in contentment of ease or whether in contentment of difficulty. But his glory will be upon you. His, his overcoming power will be in you. You know, I, 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 I must admit, uh, when I first met Pastor Cody, is it okay to just call you Cody? Okay. It's just because it's shorter and it won't take so much time. <laughs> I found out that, that there are certain things that Cody and I are quite different about. I mean, he wears blue jeans and a white t-shirt on the platform. Now, I have worn my sneakers on the platform, but I bought sneakers that were sort of not looking like sneakers so I could get away with it. But, but perhaps his perspective on the grace of God is different than mine. Or maybe, and we've never talked about it, so I don't know, but maybe his, his perspective on, on who is the best person to be the new mayor for the city of Calgary would be different than mine. Or, or maybe in our just completed federal election, Maybe his and my perspective or even deep, deep-held conviction would be different from one another. And how do we now as maturing believers walk with one another in the difference of perspective? Now, I know you're going to be shocked that I would say this, but in fact, today... There are many that have different, different opinions on how our government is managing the global pandemic. I said it. And some will line up on one side of the opinion to say, you know, considering everything that we're going through, they're doing an admirable job. And others, perhaps even in the room or watching by live stream, are saying, there isn't a single thing that they're doing that I agree with, and I don't think that any of it is right. How do we, as those who have said, I will follow Jesus, how do we navigate these days of shaking and turbulence, these days of outright, for some Bitterness coming upon us because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. How do we become more like Christ? Not in the secret place of our closet in prayer. It's usually quite easy for us there. It's when we're in the workplace. It's when we're interacting with someone else who, who we know names Jesus as their Lord, but whose, whose perspective on it is different than mine. Does, does anybody, has, has anybody encountered this, this challenge? Thank God for, well, in a way, thank God for that. I mean, it means you're alive. It, it, it means that you're realizing that that there are those who love Jesus, 
who have a different bias, a different part of the puzzle, a different conviction than you. You know, I, I said to Anne, my beloved wife of over 40 years this morning, I said, you know, I, I don't know how to land where I'm going this morning. And she said, well, one of the things you might want to mention, and, and, and when she said it, I thought, mm, no, 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 probably not. But here we go. <clears throat> okay. Um, she's the different perspective. Right? But she said, one of the things that we need to recognize in our difference of opinion in, and it's sometimes even in our outright argument with one another, is the very gifting of God within you that helps form your perspective. You know, if you are a person who is a server mercy type person, like my bride, you're always going to look to be able to make sure that people feel okay that they feel loved, that they feel that they can, they can make it through the day. And then if you are a person like me who is prophetically and leadership motivated, it's just like, heck no. We just need to get on with the thing so that we can get through to the end. And so now after 40 years of marriage, Actually, mercy is starting to be developed in my heart. There were days when I thought mercy was weakness. I viewed it as compromise. Why am I, why am I poking at this? Why am I throwing cold water about the current culture wars that are around us? I believe that the Lord is saying to us that we need to step beyond where we have been. And I want to actually go, I, I said to Anne this morning, I realized as I was flying home from Vancouver last night, I was, I was on the plane and I put my headset on and I was listening to the Bible on, I was going to say on tape, but it wasn't, it was on my, it was on the, my iPhone. But I started listening Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and, and I realized that I woke up after having fallen asleep somewhere about Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> but, but in the midst of that, I realized that in the early days of my walk with the Lord, these three epistles from Paul really started to form within me something that, that I realized I need to go beyond where I am today. And so if you'll turn with me, look at that. I'm skipping about four pages of notes. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6. And you guys don't have a slide for that because I added this, this just as we got to the church. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Ephesians 6, the 12th verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The Passion Translation says, your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Look at me. I want you just to, to now turn to the person to your, to whatever side you need to, and just said, you're not the reason for my battle. Let them know that even if your opinion is different from me, you are not my enemy. Go ahead, turn. I know you will, this one will be even harder. But we are engaged in a warfare that we have not understood. 
and in a, in a media-driven culture, many of us have unliked people that we liked on, on social media because of the opinion they expressed or the way they expressed it. But we have not comprehended the very strategy that the enemy has used to try and bring division amongst us as the body of believers or as families. Division in the family today is at an outrageous height where we don't know how we can maybe navigate being together. And so now I want to drop back into Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read uh, verses four, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. You know, uh, can I just stop there and just say for a moment, we don't like the idea of being a prisoner. We're always looking for freedom. But Paul's declaration of being a prisoner was his choice. He yielded himself to the way of Christ. I will be a prisoner for that which you want. I will submit myself to what you are wanting in my life. In our, in our culture of, of rights, in our culture of, of I need everything for me, in our culture of, of I can have my opinion, I can tell you what I think, and it doesn't matter what you think back. Paul said, I will be a prisoner to Christ. I urge you to walk in a way, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Again, the, uh, the Passion Translation, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable for your high rank with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One translation says, eager to maintain. If we're maintaining unity, that means it's already established. And could I suggest to us this morning that there has already been an, a, a unity established through Christ and his Father as he came to earth and as he com continually submitted himself to his Father's will. Jesus said, I can do nothing. The Son can do nothing except what he sees the Father doing and what he hears the Father saying. Now, our excuse or our rebuttal to that is, but that's Jesus. That's not, that's not flesh and blood. That's not me. That's not my fallen nature. I am not who Jesus was. And yet Jesus would rebut to us and he would say, but I have been tempted in every way as you have been. You know, sometimes it doesn't seem fair that Jesus would be able to say those things. That, that he wouldn't understand what it is like to be unliked. Can you imagine being Jesus coming from heaven to earth, having dwelt with your heavenly Father as co-creator, and now you are born into a culture where as one who was conceived before marriage, 
there is already a mark against you. There's already a point of rejection against you. Might I suggest to us this morning that when we have these words of exhortation to maintain the unity of the Spirit, that there is actually a way for us to do it. And it makes us have to step beyond just our personal salvation and step into this place of the salvation in the kingdom. That we are not unto ourselves, but we are born to be with one another. You know, in our journey, in our pressing forward in God, we end up having a lot of challenges and a lot of things that we don't understand. Have, have you had any, just one thing, any, anybody have one thing this week that you didn't understand? And you're still scratching your head. And you came to church and you're really hoping that you're going to get an answer. Just close your eyes for a moment. Just lift out your hands to the Father. Jesus, I've got these things that don't make sense. I've got these questions that seemingly have no answer. Would you help me? Would you bring me past my present understanding? Even on this need for unity, this need for me giving up my own right of opinion, would you help me, Lord Jesus? You know, um, this, this journey of giving up our rights in a culture where we are bombarded with our, with our right to be right, we find that we are now in a kingdom that is completely opposite to the very place that we live that we dwell, that we, we spend all of our time in. That the world systems that we live in every day, that we're subject to every day, is completely opposite to the very thing that we have given our entire life and eternity to, the kingdom of God. And, and now we have this wrestle between walking in this world and not being of this world. How do we be everything that Jesus has paid the price for us to be in a world that demands that we continually live by its standard? And how do we have enough strength? How do we have enough of the Holy Spirit to empower us day by day through these days? I would, I would dare say that, that these days that we are in are some of the most gut-wrenching, life-altering trials that in my personal life I have ever known. And they aren't because of the, the big picture things. They're the little things that are the things that are the most difficult. It's, it's when I feel I should be able to defend myself to my wife on the fact that I didn't put the cream away. Or the fact that, that I, I mean, fill in the blanks. I mean, how many things do I choose to try and defend myself on instead of yielding myself 
And it's in this lack of yielding to one another that actually produces a lack of yielding to God. To Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. And so that's why when we come into our service, we feel a little more at ease because we aren't having to communicate with one another about the things that we have to defend our position on. Have you ever defended yourself? Okay, everybody, just close your eyes for a moment. Nobody looking around. That way you can all raise your hand and nobody else will see it. Have you ever defended yourself? Yeah. And have you ever felt after you defended yourself, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And have you ever said, I'll never do that again? And you're wondering, why do I keep doing it? Why do I keep going through this cycle? I want you to know this is nothing in my notes. But as we are wrestling with this issue of maintaining a spirit of unity in the bond of peace, I want you to know that it's when we are ready to defend our position. Because how many know that on the inside, you are fully right all the time? It's because it's your opinion. It's your perspective. And like Anne said to me this morning, she said, you know, if, if you are prophetically motivated, life is only limited to black and white anyway. There is nothing in between right or wrong for the prophetically motivated person. So how does that person ever engage in a conversation with somebody who is merciful and, and full of, and full of uh, compassion and they're, and they're on the other side of the conversation. How do we ever come into agreement? And we say, well, we'll agree to disagree. Really, what we're saying is, I'm right, you're wrong, but I'll put up with you. <laughs> and, and what that actually is, is the spirit of the age that we have been mentored in we have been bombarded with. Actually, if I use a, ter a biblical term, we have been discipled in for our entire life. I will tolerate you. Do we understand that tolerating is not just a step short of love? Tolerating is my choice to to though you're wrong, I will allow you the privilege to be wrong. Now that could be on your, on, you could be wrong on your political persuasion. It could be that you're wrong on your thought on the way our premier is walking through the field filled with landmines called COVID. But if we are continually living our life, tolerating, it will be very hard for us to yield into the place of love. And so in Matthew 25, uh, we have an incredible story. Um, it's on the screen. I'm, I'm just going to touch on a few parts of it. Uh, Jesus says that, that as the kingdom is coming, there, it's, it's going to be like ten virgins. Now, how many know this, this story, this parable? The five wise, the five foolish. Okay. So that's why, because there was only six of you that put up your hand and two that said amen, um, I'm going to make sure that we go through it. So, so there was five uh, virgins who did not bring oil with them. They were coming to, the, to, to meet the bridegroom and they, they brought their lamps. Their lamps was the gospel of salvation. 
they brought the lamp with them. But the wise brought uh, extra oil with them, which it always amazed me that they did that. However, um, in the midst of it, all ten virgins fall asleep. Now, that for me is a game changer. Because I thought, well, how would the wise who have extra oil also fall asleep? Well, it says that the, the, the bridegroom was delayed in his coming. And so now, now we are in this place of how do I have extra oil? How do I walk out having extra oil so that I can maintain the unity of the Spirit? Because if I don't have the oil of the Spirit, I'm not going to be able to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Are you following me? And so now we go down to verse 6, and it says that at midnight, there was a voice that said, Get up! The bridegroom is here. And so they're, they're all trimming their lamps. They're all getting everything ready. It's sort of like getting ready for church on Sunday morning. Right? Let's get everybody together. And, and the, the foolish say to the wise, uh, we don't have enough oil. Could we have some of your oil? Now, this part of the parable amazes me because I don't think the wise virgins are very good Christians. They do not give their oil to the others. Like, in a democratic culture, how do you not share that which you have? Amen? And so some of you know that, that you know, for a couple of weeks I was fairly sick. And, and I was actually supposed to be going on an overseas trip to Africa in the Middle East. And... Uh, we had done everything we could to seek the Lord on that trip. I, we had, you know, my wife says, Mike, you, you, you ask too many to pray about those things. Just, let's just you and I. But I, I do. I ask other people who are outside our, our immediate circle just to pray and ask the Lord for us. And we had all of these green lights. We had all of these things that we thought we were lining up with God's purposes. In fact, we even had people... Here, here's a, here, what do you do with this? We had people send us money for the trip, and we didn't ask them for money. So you have all of these things lining up that you're supposed to go do something. And now you're ready to go, and, and four days before I was to go, I ended up in bed for two weeks. Now you're going to wonder, why am I changing the tract. I, I, I know exactly where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I, I know where I'm going. As I got sick, uh, I, I was immediately taken to the story of King David bringing the ark of God's presence from Obed-Edom's house back to Jerusalem. You'll find it in 1 Kings. Uh, there's not a slide for it. And you see, previously, King David had wanted to bring the ark of God's presence back. And so everybody built, uh, the guys built this cart. They called on Peter Wade, carpenter extraordinaire, and they said, build a cart that we can bring the ark of God back to Jerusalem. So they did that, and they were bringing it back. And they were worshiping. They were doing all of the right things. They were praying. And, and in the midst of it, uh, the, the, the oxen f tripped. And so Uzzah, David's best friend, said, I'm not going to let the presence of God fall to the ground. I'm going to put my hand out and steady it. Now this just doesn't seem fair, but God kills Uzzah, right there on the spot. And you wonder, how in the world is that, is that even fair? How in the world can that be right? 
And David gets all upset with God. And he says, I'm angry at you. I'm going away. Put the ark of God's presence at Obed-Edom's house. A few months later, he realizes the mistake. He had the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the rabbis, the priests, do the research, and they found out that you're to carry the ark on your shoulders, not on a cart. I transition now to say, as David was bringing the ark the second time, he stopped every six paces and he set the ark down and he would worship and give an offering to the Lord. And I'm sure he came to the place to say, is there anything else that I need to know to follow you? In the midst of my experience in bed for two weeks, I had to lay down everything that, I, that the Lord had given, all of the confirmations, all of those things, all of my perspectives, all of my, my biases, I had to lay them all down and just say, Lord, is there something more you want to show me? Ethan, you can come. This, this dichotomy that we see between the five wise and the five foolish, this dichotomy that we see between the, the entire issue of unity in the body and our desire of our opinion to be heard, comes all down to this one point. Can we lay it down? You know, my friends even told me, they said, Michael, we've never known you in 25 years not to break through when you had a sickness so that you would be with us. When they said that, I realized I had to lay the, the, the reputation of breaking through down. Sometimes it's the good things that the Lord has set within our personality that we have to lay down so that we'd be able to maintain the unity of the body. Some of you have gone through 19 months of unbelievable horror. And it would seem that there have been your best friends, the Uza in your life, that died. And perhaps your heart has been embittered. And I'm not talking about an over, overwhelming bitterness. I'm not talking that 99% is bitter. Maybe it's just 3 or 4%. Maybe you don't want to lay down the good thing of you always make it through. But would we in our journey to live out the gospel of the kingdom, would we come to a place this morning where we say, Father, I give you 
my right to my opinion. Where we are experiencing broken relationships because of fiery opinion. Where we are seeing an increase of division in family because of this defending of my way. Could we hear the cry, the plea of Paul? To maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. believe that when we cross these type of thresholds, that is the moment where the wise virgins received more oil. You're afraid that you won't have enough oil to be considered wise. But it is in the micro-tests where the oil is freely poured in. You see, when, when the wise said to the foolish, go and buy oil, I just always thought that was so not nice. Because it was midnight. They didn't have 7-Eleven there. But in fact, the buying is when we lay down ourself. We lay ourselves down at the cost of our own reputation, our own perspective, our own right. And we yield. And this yielded life is what produces enough oil. Stand with me. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that this word is a word of hope to us. It is a word to allow us to press past all of the junk, all of the, the bombardment of our culture around us. And I say, Lord, I want to yield. I want to yield my rights. If that's you this morning, I just want you just, just, to, just to raise your arms. You know, when, when, if, you're, if you're going to be arrested by a police officer, they would tell you to put your hands up. <clears throat> and could I say that we are in a moment where Jesus is arresting us between two opinions, his and ours. And so, Lord, I yield to your opinion. I yield to your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, for that which Jesus Christ has already accomplished on our behalf. And that you will leave your Spirit with us until your work is done. I bless everyone under the sound of my voice that as you make this commitment, this pledge, 
between yourself and your Father. He is the one that will empower you. And when you fall short of your own expectation, do not let the lie of the enemy tell you that you will never make it. Because I will be right beside you and I will say, I've been here. I was here this morning. But I know that His will is for me to press beyond. And so I will get up again. And having, after having done all, I will stand. I pray it in the matchless name of Jesus that his name would have great glory and honor. That in fact, the only prayer that he is waiting to see fulfilled on the earth is that we would walk as one, as he is the, and the Father are one, because then the world will know that Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. So we thank you for it, Lord. Bless us as we each go our, our way now for the week. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for receiving this word. I want to thank you on behalf of the Lord that you said yes Lord I'll press through if you want to come to the altar if you want some of the, the team to pray with you they'll be here bless you as you go have a wonderful week.